you pray for us, Norma? Good morning, Father. Thank you so much for a new day, Jesus. Thank you, Father, that we can come together to worship you, to honor you, my God, and to give you all the glory that you deserve, Father. Father, I pray, Jesus, that today our eyes will be open to truth. Our ears will hear exactly what you want us to, to hear from you, Father. And I pray that, Father, I pray this morning that you use my brother to speak truth and only the truth, Father God. And I pray, Father, that our heart, mind, and soul will be ready to receive, to be a good soil, Father God. I thank you, Jesus, that you love us. I thank you, Father, for your sacrifice. I thank you, Father, that you are coming back for your bride, for your church. And I pray, Father, that's how we come together this morning, Father God, that we will be ready for that moment, for that time, that it can We never know when it's going to be. But, Father, let us be ready. Let us be ready to join you and to be with you forever. We love you, Jesus, and we give this time to you, Holy Spirit. You are welcome in this place, and you always will be welcome in our heart. And I pray, Jesus, that you continue to strengthen us, guide us, and protect us, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. 
All around. 
Father, that is our prayer, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've begun a work in each of us. Father, you are faithful to complete it. So I pray, God, as we come together this day and sit at your feet to hear from you, Lord, that, God, that we would be attentive. You will put off the distractions of our heart and our minds. Solely focus on you. Thank you, Father, that you first loved us. And I thank you, Father, that You've seen us through many trials, God. You're equipping us. You've called us. I pray, God, that today we would be reminded of that call. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to play this little clip real quick, but I want to think I'm going to need to start it over. So let's see what happens here. Here's this called, how do I know? And a lot of times when people hear the phrase, how do I know? The next thing they say is what? How do I know what? But the key really isn't to know what. The key is to know why. Because when you know your why, you have options on what your what can be. For instance, my why is to inspire people to walk in purpose. My what is stand-up comedy. My what is writing books. My what can be going out with some friends to eat. In fact, another what that has moved me towards my why is a, a web series that we have out now called Break Time. So every Wednesday at 3 o'clock, you should subscribe to the, to the channel. Uh, we do a series called Break Time on YouTube. So 3 o'clock, we drop a new episode. One episode in particular I'm about to show you a clip to. We were in, uh, we in Winston-Salem. So Break Time, this is how it works. I travel the country, I do stand-up comedy, probably an hour, hour and a half at an event. And in the middle of my show, I'll just sit down and start talking to the audience. And funny just happens. Or I'll meet somebody who's really interesting. So I met this one guy, and he said that he teaches music at a school. I was like, all right, you teach music, you know, um, can you sing? And then uh, I'm just going to show you the clip. Check it. So you're a musical director. Yes, sir. Ooh. All right, so um, let me get a couple. Let me get a couple bars of like uh, "Amazing Grace." Can you do the first part of that? Go ahead. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Wow, that bro could sing. You know what I'm saying? Once you give me the version, is if uh, your uncle just got out of jail, you got shot in the back when you was a kid. I'm just saying, let me see the hood version real quick. If you know the version I'm talking about, just see if that exists. Let me see what you got. Amazing grace. 
The first time I asked him to sing, he knew what he was doing. The second time I asked him to sing, he knew why he was doing it. When you know your why, your what has more impact because you're walking in or towards your purpose. really ministered to me for quite some time now, and especially since I've been praying for us as a fellowship, um, and knowing that it's coming up on our nine years, next, I think, Friday, it's nine years that True Freedom Fellowship has existed, <clears throat> and what I really want to encourage us today is, is that I think it's, we've gotten to a place, if you would, where we know our what. But, and this is what I want us to hear today, we can get so caught up in our what, what we're doing, that we forget our why. Our why. And if you noticed on this clip here, when the gentleman asked the other guy to sing at first, he sung it. it sounded good. But did you notice the audience? It's a few heads nodding, you know. He was doing what he does. But there was no, if you would, life coming from it. Passion. There was really no impact. And I think that's where a lot of us get stuck in life. Is we just do, we go about doing our what? And we've lost the drive because we've lost our why. So when the comedian gave the guy specifics of why and gave him an understanding, like when he began to sing again, it was a totally different song. Same words, but totally different impact. Did you notice? Yeah. The crowd stood up. People were being moved. I mean, even the comedian himself. I don't think anyone really expected what was going to come forth. We knew he was a singer. But all of a sudden, when the why was causing him to sing, he sung in a way that impacted others. And that's what I want to encourage us today, as individuals, as Christians, but also just as a fellowship, that we remember our why. Our why. So what is our why? Our why is so that others will come to accept Jesus, Christ as Lord, and experience true freedom. This is our why behind our what we do. Our why? Why do we gather? Why do we do? Why do we? Why do we exist? So that others, look at this, would accept Jesus as Lord and experience true freedom. And if we forget that, 
then all we're doing is our what? What we do. And it's not going to really impact anything because it's not impacting our lives. See, it first starts here with us. Individual. Individually. Knowing our why. Each and every day when we get up. Not just because, oh, we come on Sundays or Wednesdays or Fridays or periodically throughout the week. But on every day, you're a Christian. Every day, rather you're in this fellowship or another church or wherever, you're a Christian. Your why should be being displayed for others to see. You're fulfilling your purpose that Jesus himself has called you to. And so I want us to look at a few scriptures, and we're going to spend the next couple of days, or not days, huh? Next couple of weekends, Sundays, and we're going to get back to Mark Friday and um, not next week, but the week after. But I really want to focus on our why. I want, and I've been praying that the Lord would breathe life into us again. Listen, I don't want us to be a church or a fellowship that lives up to man's expectations. I don't. I never want to be driven by what, by what man thinks we ought to be doing and how it ought to look. Listen, from the beginning nine years ago, all of you have been around, I told you then, and I want to continue to remind us, I'm not looking at building buildings, I'm looking at building lives. Holding up the truth. Encouraging, edifying each other. Building each other up. See, we've got to get back to the understanding of why we exist. And not get so caught up in our what. People have come in, people have gone out. And that's okay. But I don't want us to lose our why. You know? I don't want us to lose our why. We are, we're, just, we're, just, we're just people who have been saved. We, we're lives who have, sur- who, who have chosen to surrender our lives unto the Lord and, and to serve Him with gladness and joy. But are you serving Him with gladness and joy? Or are you just caught up in your what? We have a purpose. And I want us to look at this. Nothing you haven't seen before, but I want to put this back before us. Our values, love, unity, transparency, accountability, and growth. Love. Loving our Lord first, with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our bodies. And then loving each other. See, when love is our first, if you would, priority, everything else will follow. Love will bring the unity. Unity will bring the transparency. Transparency will bring the accountability. And the accountability will bring growth. Remember, what we do, we value. Or what we value, we do. 
We want to be a healthy, functioning members of the body of Christ. And our vision is called to encourage, edify, and equip the body of Christ in order to radically save souls to advance His kingdom. And I added today our why. So that others would come to accept Jesus as Lord and experience true freedom. True freedom. And this should be before us each and every day. Not just, again, when we're gathering, but when you're out there on your jobs, in the stores, out and about with your families, that they will see something different. That like this man who knew his why, he was impacting others. Our lives should be impacting others. So let's go to Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. call of a disciple. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, Take up your cross and follow me. Remembering our why. And in order to, if you would, fan the flame of our why within us, we've got to remember the call. The call to be a disciple. To be a student. To learn, to grow, and to mature. Again, we've heard time and time again, we just can't be hearers of the word, we must be doers of the word. And we recognize in our generation today, the majority of people just want to be hearers of the word. They're fine with the love, they're, they can be fine and comfortable with the unity, but where a lot of people start having issues with is with the transparency or the accountability. And then there's no growth. Love on me, love on me, love on me. Let me feel a part of something, and that's as far as I want to take it. But I think that we we have to look at our future, if you would, at our full vision, is we can't miss the last three. Yes, it's uncomfortable. Yes, it's not, if you would, the norm in the Christian life. We're real big on love, real big on unity. But let's not forget, there has to be this transparency, first before God and then before man. And in that, becoming, coming to the place of transparency, then we open ourselves up for accountability, and we're not to get offended by it. Because we know where that accountability is coming from. It's coming from love. And in that accountability comes the growth. We have to grow. And not growing in numbers. (laughs) Maturing in our life. Growing up. Maturing in our walk. Knowing that we will never be perfected. 
but that doesn't give us the license to continue to sin. No, because we know we've been freed from sin. We're to live this new life in Christ. So to fan the flame of our why, we must first remember the call. If any of you wants to be my follower, listen to this, and I know it's a different translation to what most of us are used to, but I really like how this translation, translation lays it out. You must turn from your selfish ways. Your life is no longer about you. Your wants. Your ways. You must take up your cross and follow me. And the cross, what a, what a picture picture of truly laying your life down. The agony that comes with the cross. The pain that comes with the cross. The death that comes with the cross. But in that life everlasting Go to Luke chapter 14. Again, fanning the flame of our why. Luke 14, verse 25 through 35. It's one that we heard plenty of times around here, especially when we went through our Lordship series. But it talks about the cost of being a disciple. You see, Jesus had this large crowd following him. And he turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father, your mother, your wife, children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my Disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against them? And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So, you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor the manure pile. It is thrown away. Anyone with ears, I mean anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. 
this call of a disciple, this, this call to cost, that it's the, the cost of being a disciple, it's going to cost us everything. Our lives are not to be lived selfishly any longer. Our lives are not lived uh, to be lived seeking our own desires, our own, our own way. No, our lives are to be lived in such a way that people see that we've considered the cost. We've considered the cost. And again, you all, we've got to be really transparent with this understanding that we're not looking to be perfect. We're not looking to live up to man's expectations. So it's not about putting on a religious mask or a pre- a being pretending or, not, or going to the other extreme of just always being defeated and never having any hope in your life and yet somehow being comfortable with that. No. We've got to get to a place where we truly understand our why, who He is, what He's done, and the call of a disciple to come and follow Him. That we say, God, here I am. God, here we are. God, we want to, as Norman was playing earlier, God, we just want to seek you above all. We, we want to see your face above all. We want to please you, God. Because we're not seeking to please ourselves. We can get so caught up again in our what that we miss out on our why. And just doing our what really impacts nothing. Your lives should be impacting others. Every day. With truth. You can't just, you're never, you're never going to have the fullness of truth until you live it out. So that others can see. But again, if you don't truly believe, don't expect others to truly believe. Know your why. Know our why. To really serve the Lord with gladness. To understand the cost. His Lordship. Like, God, you are Lord over my life. And so again, it goes back. You're not trying to live up to man's expectation. And there's no one here trying to put expectations on you. Remember what I said earlier when it comes to transparency and accountability? People find it hard because this is a place of, of transparency and a place of accountability. And when it comes, either people are going to react one way or another. They're going to embrace it and they're going to grow up and they're going to mature or they're going to resist it. And they're going to step out. Because it's easy to step out. It's easy to, to, to just to go on your way and to do how you want to do instead of being held accountable to truth. To truth. Again, not trying to conform you to our image or to my image, but the Word of God says to be conformed to His image, to allow Him to transform you by changing the way you think. Because when you come to Him, when you receive Him, you've considered the cost. You know that you're not to live in your ways any longer. 
your desires any longer. You're picking up your cross and you're following him. It's a day by day by day by day walk. And this is a place where people can come and be encouraged, find accountability, find love. A place, a, a, a place of refuge. That should be every place, if you would, that you all are at. In your own homes, in your own offices, in your own times, in your own space. Like you're offering that to others because that's what you received freely from Him. Create that atmosphere wherever you go so that others are drawn in and you can present the gospel not the Christian life, the gospel first. And then once they have accepted Jesus, then begin to disciple them in the ways of the Lord and how now they should be living. The world is growing harder. We talked about this on Friday night. The days are growing more evil. The word of God says the love of many are going to, is going to grow cold. They're going to become selfish, abusive. And yet we're still called to go out and to love them. So freedom, go to John 10.10. So scripture we've been talking about this weekend. Fan the flame of your why within. Let's move on to just freedom. The thief, it says here in this translation, the thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy. But my purpose, Jesus says, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Or as we know, an abundant life. Which is a rich and satisfying life. Freedom. We've been made free. Go to John 8, 36. So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. Amen. Free. Well, I don't feel like it, but we're learning in our discipleship class on Friday nights, it's not based on your feelings. It's based on, on trust and, and obedience. You know, the first session in our discipleship class on Friday nights is, is the gospel. This understanding. This need for Jesus because of the fall of man, the sin that entered in. Each of us are born into sin. Each of us can choose to sin, but why would we continue to choose when we've considered the cost? So when we see sin in our lives, we don't hide it. No, the Word of God says to throw it off. Throw off the sin that so easily entangles you. So again, we've, we've laid out the fact that it's not that Christian perfectionism is preached here. We're not looking to be perfect, but we're looking to grow up. We're looking to mature. We're looking to continue to move forward. So if you find yourself enslaved to sin, and I love how it's described, the sin that so easily entangles you, throw it off. Because you can have the confidence in Christ that if he has set you free, you are free indeed. Sin is no longer to be your master. 
You're no longer a slave to sin. You're a slave to righteousness. You're in right standing with God because of Jesus. So that's why we can come in before God and before others and confess our sins. That's why we don't have to play that weird game that we've all played of shame, condemnation, and guilt. And it's this vicious circle. And so then we pull away from God, we pull away from fellowship, and we just go back out existing in life. And for what? That's not what God has for us. Because he who the Son has set free is free indeed. And then Romans 6, verse 6 and 7. says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, look at this, we were set free from the power of sin. Fanning that flame again of of our why. Again, it's so easy to know our what, but we lose sight of our why. And then in losing sight of our why, we lose sight of truly our purpose, our passion. And so we're serving, and we're serving, and we're doing, and we're doing, but it really means nothing. It's just we're just doing, because it's just what we're supposed to do. All. Again, I want to fan the flame of our why and, and understanding that of his lordship and of, of freedom in Christ. And so we've been set free from sin. Go to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to spend a couple minutes here in Galatians. Verse 1. Actually, it's going to be the whole chapter. And then we're going to move into the whole chapter of Galatians 6. Remember our why. So that others would come to accept Jesus as Lord and experience true freedom. Our why. Chapter 5 in Galatians talks about freedom in Christ. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. And don't get tied up again in slavery to the law, to religion, to works, to your what. No, it says here, so Christ has truly set us free, now make sure that you stay free. And then he goes on and says here, listen, I, Paul, tell you this, if you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. 
But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. And no greater love than this will ever be displayed than when one will lay down his life for his friend. Jesus did that for us, and that's the call that we do in return. We lay our lives down. We're not to get caught up in religious ways or religious works. Here he's focusing just on circumcision because that's what was being presented to the church. But we've talked about it enough among us to know that we're not, get to, we're not to get caught up in the works of, of faith, if you would, if, in, in the works of, of, of religion, if you would. Because if you just become, uh, I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to do this, I have to do that, and if I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that, and you get so consumed with that, uh, then your faith is not being truly expressed in love. And yet there are works to faith, works that produce good fruit. So I'm not talking about that, because we know that faith without works is dead. But I'm talking about the religious mindset. That somehow, if I do this, then I'm, I'm right with God. I, if I just do this, then, okay, then God accepts me. No, that, Jesus, it's all because of Jesus. And what he was able to accomplish that has made you right with God. That has given you a sense of purpose. Who's given you a sense of, of identity. Because we now know that our identity is in Christ. It's not in ourselves any longer. This is what we're growing into. This is what we're maturing into. This is why we, we look at our lives and, and as the Holy Spirit brings conviction of the sin that's in our lives, we turn away from that sin. We repent and we go the other way. We don't hang out with the sin. We don't keep the sin in our lives. We don't make excuses for the sin in our lives. No, because we recognize that sin separates us from God. By our choice. By saying that this is more important to me than you, God. But see, remember, our faith is to be expressed in love. It says here in verse 7, You were running the race so well, who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. And I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. So dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I love that part right there. Like, I'm... Preaching, he says, Paul, salvation through the cross of Christ. Through Christ and to, through Christ alone, what he was able to accomplish. And as I'm preaching that, 
people are offended by it. Whenever the cross is preached, whenever the true gospel is preached, many get offended by it. Because they want to cling to their old ways. In our old lives. In our old mindsets. We want to fight for our position instead of relinquishing it. And saying, no, my life belongs to Jesus. Because of the cross. Not because of religious works. There's such freedom in that message. And yet, in that, people are offended. In that offense, they choose to remain a slave. They choose to remain a slave to sin. And yet, freedom is being presented, and they, they don't desire it. Come on. He goes, I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision will mutilate themselves. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom, look at this, to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. For you have been called to live in freedom. Look at that. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. And a lot of people, especially in this generation, think somehow they can continue to claim Jesus' name, continue to identify themselves as a Christian, and in their freedom, if you would, they use it to satisfy their sinful nature. Because the, the message of grace has been so watered down. And we've talked about grace before. Grace doesn't give you the right to keep sinning. No, grace is the power that transforms you to stop sinning. So we're not to use this freedom in Christ and use it to manipulate ourselves to remain in sin. Because that's where in Romans where he says what? He was addressing that to the church. What then shall you say? Shall you continue to sin so that grace may abound? Certainly not. Don't you know that if you've died with him, you've been raised up with him into a new life? A new life. And seriously, as you all are hearing these, uh, these scriptures today, how is your life reflecting his lordship and the freedom in which you have obtained to be expressive with the why in your life? To express the why behind what you're doing. His Lordship brings such freedom to our lives. And yet we want to continue to go back and sit in the prison. But that's not who we are. We're children of God who have been set free. And we're not to use our freedom. To continue to abide in sin. It makes no sense. And he's saying this here. 
And look what it says. How then should you use your freedom? Look what it says there. To serve one another in love. To serve one another in love. You know if you're truly free if you're serving others. Because you remember the call of a disciple? To deny your selfish ways? See, the fullness of serving is when you let yourself just be put aside and say, how can I serve you? How can I serve you? But in serving, that's, I love what it says there. We use our freedom to serve one another in love. Not to keep sinning. Like serving. And that's what I pray that each of our lives will be marked by. That above all, people, I can care less again what what people say or whatever. We're not, again, living up to man's expectations. But I want to be someone that encourages you. And I hope that you all be people who would encourage me to continue to serve. Don't settle thinking we've arrived at this place. Okay, yes, we got this down. No, we should continue to strive each and every single day. How can we serve others? First and foremost, we're serving our Lord. And we get that. And we understand that. And in that, that our lives are changed. Just get out there, you all, and serve. Get out there. Serve others. Love others. Just as Jesus did. Don't lose sight of who you are. Don't lose sight of who he is. Don't dumb down his message. Don't, don't hold back truth from them. No, another uh, the, a true service, true love is upholding truth. Jesus didn't lose his identity when he washed the disciples' feet. When he fed the multitude. When he preached his word. When he explained to them who he was, and many left him. So we can't get misled on what true service looks like. True service is hard work. True service, your flesh will fight against you. Because you want to demand your rights. Or look how they treated me. No, true service is beginning to understand the fullness of how Christ served. He's our example. So it says, so I say that the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, 
dissensions, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. I tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's writing to the church. Because I told you all before, he says, if this is how you're living, you're not inheriting the kingdom of God. If this is how you're living, if you are choosing willfully obedient to your desires, don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. Living like this is not acceptable for a Christian. So again, when we think of sin, let's not get caught up in a whole, you know, the understanding is if you're willfully choosing to live, this is what you identify with day in and day out. Now, and again, it, we can't make excuses. Well, you don't know what they did to me. No, I can't. No. If you're abiding, if you're remaining in this, you're not loving the Lord your God. You're loving yourself. And I like that he, he, does, he could keep going on and on, but he says other sins like these. Desires that are from within. Where does sin come from? From the desires that are from within. That old nature that we have are to consider nailed to the cross of Christ. See, the message is the cross of Christ. The hope and the freedom that we have is that we no longer have to abide in that old nature. But that nature is in constant battle with the Spirit. But I love the fact that we see here, the picture is given, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives us desires to do that which is pleasing to God. We in and of ourselves would never create those desires. That's why this life now has to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Trusting Him and obeying as He's leading as he's leading, as he's giving us a, a, a purpose and an identity, as he's engrafted us into his family, as he's called us his children, his royal priesthood. Because look at what the Holy Spirit produces. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Remember, picking up your cross daily and following him. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited and provoke one another or be jealous of one another. So since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives, you all. Every part. We've got to stop giving ourselves rights, you all. The right to react, the right to want, the right to manipulate situations, the right to just exist in sin, or the right to exist in defeat. Listen, if you're not living how 
the Word of God and how the Holy Spirit is leading us to live, we're in sin. No matter how we want to try to manipulate God in a way of, God, I know you'll just accept all of this. No, He's made Himself very clear to us. Very clear. Your bad attitude is a sin. My bad attitude is a sin. And if I'm willfully choosing day in and day out to keep sinning and denying Him, what is that? The Word of God says if you don't do what is right, uh, you're sinning. And as Christians, we, we can't get comfortable in sin. It can't be that which defines us. You know, we're defined by Christ and Christ alone. So if we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Listen, you've got to cultivate this new life, if you would. You've got to seek Him. The Word of God says, if you you seek Him with your whole heart, you will find Him. Like He desires to make Himself known to us. To give us the fullness of hope. Again, it's not in the circumstances of life. Because my goodness, at any moment, life can change for us. Any moment. Financial hardship, death, destruction, you know, what we, our homes. I mean, you name it. Anything could happen at any moment. That's why as believers, we're not living in, in hopes of our, of our circumstances. To always re- look good? No. We're living with the hope that Christ is victorious. Amen. And in that hope, all of our circumstances can line up with His truth because of the decisions that we're making. To say, I'm no longer living in the old way. I'm no longer living insecure. I'm no longer living out of my brokenness. I'm no longer living, as we've been talking about, the product of the fall. My choices and my decisions don't have to be based there any longer. They can if I choose to, but why would I choose to when I have this available to me? And just as I grew in the old nature, I'm, I have to grow up in this new nature. I've got to apply what I'm learning in my life so that my life can be a light, can be salt. In chapter 6 it says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. How we should be living. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are responsible for our own conduct. We should underline that, we should circle that, and we should have an understanding. You're responsible. Not anyone else in your life or what other people have done to your life. Or what little poor little life sad stories we can create for ourselves. We all have a broken past. Because we were born into sin. And those who have wounded us, those who have rejected us, those who have hurt us. 
They did it so out of their brokenness, out of their woundedness. So when we become believers, that's why we can forgive freely because we have been forgiven. So if Christ has forgave us much, who are we to hold back from others? Forgiveness. And as we've taught here before, we understand forgiveness is forgiving and letting go. Not forgiving and saying, oh, I'm going to remember. No, it's forgiving and letting go. That's what Jesus did. He remembers our sins no more. We repent, we receive forgiveness. We can stand before him with clean hands and a pure heart. We can honor him with our lives. We can trust him. So again, help each other. Share each other's burdens. Don't think highly of yourself. Pay careful attention to your own work. Keep your eyes off everyone else. Keep your eyes off everyone else. We're not, especially here, we're not fighting for position. The only thing in our fellowship is we want to encourage you to live your life. Step up. Visit people in the hospital. Go visit the sick. Go, go offer you know, help to someone. Go serve someone. Go assist someone. There will never be a time in this fellowship where you're going to be exalted to a position. No, we just want to encourage each other to get out there and impact your life, your community, your work, your, your families, your surroundings, whatever God is bringing before you. Just serve. Keep your eyes off of each other. That's why, you know, again, we're not looking to build a big, huge congregation. No, we're looking to build lives relationships, doing life with each other. That's why I don't chase after people when they leave. I check on them, make sure, but as long as they keep resisting, there's no need to continue. you got to shake off the dust off your feet and move on. you got to trust the fact that the seed was sown and God knows what the work that He's doing. I'm not God, you're not God, I'm not Holy Spirit Junior, you're not Holy Spirit Junior. Not everybody's going to find this comfortable, and that's fine. And I never want to be pressured to try to make it comfortable for people. I'm not going to do that. I don't want you to do that. We just open up the door. Here. Come. Come. Learn how to live this newness in Christ. Under His Lordship, experiencing His freedom. That's what we have to offer. That's our why. All the other what's, that all can be done. But I want to remember our why. So many times, you know, people have all these thoughts towards such a little, small fellowship of people. And the reason why is because they come with a religious mindset from a, from a, from a church, if you would, 
under a lot of rules and laws and this is how it should be done and this is how it should be done and this should be doing and this should be looking like this and it should be looking like that. If they would just put all that aside and just say, well, let's just build a community, a family of believers. Not looking to strive for anything else but to love our God and to love each other. says, those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. Hmm. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. Hmm. So that's why when you always hear me say, what does the flesh know to do? Die. That's all it knows to do. It knows to, 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 to get entangled with sin and to harvest, look at this picture, decay and death. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. See, we can't grow tired in just doing good. And doing good. If we grow tired, if we grow weary, we give up. Because we can get, we can get so focused back on ourselves. We can start focusing on all the other stuff and miss out truly on what we're supposed to do. Don't give up. At just the right time, a harvest will be um, come. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. Look how this letter closes. Notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. Those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. Those who ever enter in here and try to force us to do something that goes against our why, what they're actually looking for is so that we, they will, we will look good to, in front of others. Same here. These people are being introduced, different teachings in different ways. And their purpose of doing it was so that others would approve of them. Those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching the cross of Christ alone. I'm sorry, for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. And even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. And, look at this, Amen. the world's interest in me has also died. Amen. That should flame our why to live it out expressively. I don't want to boast, and I don't want us to boast in anything but the cross of Christ. Cross of Christ. My interest in this world has been crucified. 
and the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether we have been crucified, circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. It doesn't matter whether we keep all the laws and all the rules and everything else. That's not what it's about. What matters is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. Do you realize, and we've talked about this before, especially when we went through the book of Acts, that as being known as a Christian, there was evidence of a changed life in the church. This changed life. Can't keep calling yourself a Christian and keep living your old ways. That, 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 that's, that's not a Christian. No, a Christian is one who has been brought forth and is living a new life. Again, does it mean that you will not sin? But it means if you do, you don't remain in sin. Again, freedom, you all. Freedom. Being expressed and living out this newness of life. A new life, you all. In Christ. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. They are the new people of God. I'm going to stop there for today. We're going to lead into next week talking about love. And I love the line from the movie we saw yesterday from Risen, where it says, Our greatest weapon is love. Our greatest weapon is love. It's the greatest commandment. Love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our bodies. And to love our neighbor, to love ourselves. Our why. Again, we started looking at this clip where this gentleman said what he did, and when the comedian told him to basically do what you do, he sung Amazing Grace, and it was good, but there really wasn't an impact. It wasn't until he knew why he was singing that all of a sudden he began to see the, uh, the, the, the passion within him, his whole countenance began to change. All of his body language began to change. Everything about him changed. And then all of a sudden you saw the people around him. They began to change. They were drawn into him. To these words, to the song, to his why. And that's what I hope is I'm praying for. That we would remember our why. And our why. So that others would come to accept Jesus as Lord and experience true freedom. Amen. It's our why. It's behind what we do. This is who we are. This is what we're called to do. It's a small group of people having a desire to live for Jesus in a generation where it's not embraced. It's not embraced. 
But that doesn't, that shouldn't weigh heavy on us. But it should do. It just should give us a, a desire even more each day to get up. And say, now how may I serve today? You've purposed me for today. You've purposed me in this generation. There's work to be done. So let us remember our why. And let us not lose sight of who he is and who we are. Amen? Amen. So I'll close with this last song.
Señor, Señor, Señor. 